in-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News. In a loss for Texas today, the U.S. Supreme Court sided with the Biden administration on one of the state's challenges to federal immigration policy. Thanks for joining us at 5. I'm Daniel Money. And I'm Jennifer Sanders. Texas and Louisiana sued the U.S. over Homeland Security guidelines that prioritize which types of immigrants to deport. The high court ruling the states did not have standing in what justices called an unusual lawsuit. As our Monica Madden reports, some legal experts say this will have broader implications beyond immigration. In a win for the Biden administration, the United States Supreme Court finds the Department of Homeland Security does have authority in prioritizing deportations of some migrants over others. Immigration policy is supposed to be the zenith of federal power and it's supposed to be the zenith of executive power. And instead, we're creating a system where a combination of states and courts can bring immigration policy to a dead halt. DHS policy emphasizes a focus on deporting terrorists, criminals, and people who crossed most recently, partially due to resources and manpower. Texas and Louisiana argue that this was illegal, that the executive branch was not enforcing the laws properly, and they should have been performing more arrests and more detentions. The Supreme Court finding Texas and Louisiana are not harmed enough by this policy to sue, noting during oral arguments last November that the court's role was limited on this matter. Now, it's our job to say what the law is, not whether or not it can be possibly implemented or whether there are difficulties there. Um, and I don't think we should change that responsibility just because Congress and the executive can't agree on something that's possible to address this this problem. Constitutional legal experts like Josh Blackman say the ruling is much broader than immigration. Uh, what the court signals here at least is that states cannot sue for under enforcement of the law for the failure to enforce immigration laws. And I think it's actually a very big red flag that the strategy Texas has used in the past may not work in the future. Monica Madden, KXAN News. And the high court's ruling was eight to one with Justice Samuel Alito dissenting. Now going in depth, while immigration policies here in Texas focus more on illegal immigration, new polling data from the Texas Politics Project at UT Austin says half of Texans believe the U.S. allows too many people to immigrate here legally. Even more Texans support the state's deployment of police and military resources to the border. And 40% of those polled believe the state spends too little on the border. The Texas real estate developer at the center of Attorney General Ken Paxton's impeachment, Nate Paul, has pleaded not guilty to charges of making false statements to banks that loan him more than $170 million. Now, Paul waived his scheduled arraignment Monday before a U.S. district judge here in Austin. That's according to court documents. There's no reference to Paxton in Paul's indictment, which accuses him of making false statements to multiple banks in 2017 and 2018. But one of the banks later received a subpoena from an attorney Paxton hired as an outside independent prosecutor to pursue complaints Paul had made after the FBI raided his offices. Well, local health leaders say more MPOX vaccines are now available. Austin and Travis County held a town hall today on MPOX, previously referred to as monkeypox. Travis County recently reported the first case of the season. And Austin Public Health says the best way to stop the spread is to get a shot. Doctors say anyone can catch MPOX if they're exposed to it. Last summer, you'll remember, we saw a surge in cases during June and July. 
Local health authority Dr. Desmar Walks says the hospitalization and death rate is low, but the biggest issue for people with the virus is just the pain. This virus can affect very sensitive areas of the body and cause extreme pain. Um, most of the hospitalizations that we've seen have been for pain control. Um, this virus also can affect your life, your livelihood, keep you out of work for several weeks, um, cause childcare issues, and ultimately affect your quality of life. And Austin Public Health currently has 129 vials of the vaccine. Each vial contains up to five doses. Well, we're learning more about that tornado that ripped through Matador, Texas, killing four people Wednesday night. Among them, we've learned an Austin man, 43-year-old Victor Valenzuela Jr. Now, the damage there is extensive. Texas DPS says the storm damaged 61 total structures, things like homes, businesses, as well as sheds and barns, destroying 29 of them. As of last night, 80% of the town has their power back. We could learn as soon as today about the strength of the tornado. The National Weather Service assessed the damage earlier this week. And we've seen extensive damage in small communities, David, really across our state. It's heartbreaking. Our guess is that it may be rated as an EF4, which mm. is almost the highest on the scale. Winds could have been over 160 miles an hour up there. We will let you know just as soon as we get word from the Weather Service. Let me take you outside here. It's a much calmer evening, sunshine and Hot temperatures, you guessed it, 95 degrees right now on the Whittlesea Landscape Supply Cam in southeast Austin. It's 99, temperatures spiking again to what has been our daytime high so far in Austin. 97 in Georgetown and a few triple digits coming back. Those won't be the last we'll see in the Hill Country this weekend. You factor in the humidity and the feels like temperature is uncomfortable. It's in the triple digits in Austin as hot as 116. That's what it feels like right now in Flatonia. The heat advisory that we've been under for days now is extended until 9 p.m. tomorrow. Heat index values even in Austin for the first half of the weekend as hot as 112. And then temperatures get even hotter. We'll take a look at a slight chance of rain and the return of the heat wave coming up. All right, David, thank you. As the first anniversary of the Supreme Court's ruling overturning Roe v. Wade approaches, people on both sides of the abortion issue are now reflecting on how the nation has changed over the past year. The White House is moving to protect still existing reproductive rights, but as NBC's Alice Barr reports, the Republicans running for president are staking out their positions. One year after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, the consequential ruling has led to seismic shifts in the nation's healthcare, cultural, and political landscapes. It's complete and utter joy that it was finally overturned. It feels like a betrayal. A new NBC News poll finds 61% of Americans surveyed disapprove of the high court striking down the constitutional right to an abortion. That includes 77% of women aged 18 to 49 and even a third of Republicans. Nearly half of all U.S. states have now banned or restricted abortion access, with regulations pending in roughly half a dozen more. A patchwork of policies around abortion exceptions for the mother's health have left many medical providers uncertain when they can intervene, some raising concerns about the effects on even routine women's care. We are limiting our patients and our practitioners, and when we do that, we, we may not understand the ripple effects. As Democrats and the White House press to restore reproductive rights. We made so much progress. We can't let it take us backward. GOP presidential candidates competing for evangelical votes.
Every Republican candidate for president should support a ban on abortion before 15 weeks as a minimum nationwide standard. While President Biden is counting on the issue motivating more voters from his side of the aisle. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. Indictments in a federal fentanyl case. The U.S. Attorney General says it's the first of its kind and involves another country. And just how much will Ken Paxton's impeachment trial cost? We'll tell you this much. It's certainly not cheap. How much attorneys are getting paid per the hour? Several Chinese companies and individuals connected to the manufacturing of fentanyl have been indicted on criminal charges. This is the first indictment of its kind. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland says the four chemical companies, along with eight Chinese nationals, are responsible for chemicals used to make fentanyl entering the U.S. Just one of these China-based chemical companies shipped more than 200 kilograms of fentanyl-related precursor chemicals to the U.S., for the purpose of making 50 kilograms of fentanyl, a quantity that could contain enough deadly doses of fentanyl to kill 25 million Americans. And Garland adds the company's promised stealth shipping to avoid detection from law enforcement. And a bill to develop a new test and better resources for a drug that has Texas health officials sounding the alarm has passed the U.S. Senate. It's called the Trink Research Act, introduced by Texas Senator Ted Cruz and Vermont Senator Peter Welch. There hasn't been a lot of medical research conducted over xylazine's impact on the body. However, the FDA warns that injecting it can lead to severe skin conditions that could require amputation. Back in March, the Texas Department of State and Health Services warned it found xylazine in a batch of fentanyl. Well, dry weather returning today in Austin. And unfortunately, if you look at the month to date total, we've seen less than half of what we would expect during what is typically one of our rainier months of the year. Lake levels both going down almost an inch in the past 24 hours. And the heat wave is returning in your weekend forecast next. The impeachment trial of Ken Paxton could cost a lot of money. Texas House members hired Dick DeGarren and Rusty Hardin, two of the most high-profile defense attorneys in all of Texas. And though they're taking a pay cut, their price tag is still pretty steep. Yeah, they were hired at $500 an hour to prosecute the case. Our Ryan Chandler joining us now to, Ryan, really help us understand how pricey this could get. Yeah, well, y'all are right. It's not coming cheap, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be a pretty penny. And we only know this because of RKXAN investigator David Barrer and a legal expert. They obtained the records that show that these attorney's payments could easily hit six figures, could even go into the millions of dollars. Now, those contracts don't give a maximum value or any kind of payment structure, but David Cole, a Dallas appellate attorney with and a legal expert, says that what the prosecutors Rusty Harden and Dick DeGarren and their teams are getting in this kind of case is still an extraordinary discount. Usually when they're doing this kind of work, he says that they could charge up to $1,500 an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. And Ryan, right. we, know, we know that uh, in civil litigation, we know that the discovery process before the trial, that's what usually costs the most. Yeah. How much is that costing? So the state actually got uh, another pretty big discount during the discovery process because instead of hiring uh, big law firms like, like Rusty and, and uh, Dick DeGarren work for, they, they hired uh, House investigators to do this. The House General Investigating Committee 
used several other attorneys during its initial investigation. That's when we saw them lay out the initial evidence in front of the, the committee. And uh, that, that was a, a big discount. The committee contracted with those three outside attorneys and they each earned between four to $5,000 for that work from uh, March 20th through the end of April. Now, the Texas Legislative Council also brought in three other attorneys to investigate the case for the General Investigating Committee. And that paperwork shows the Chief Counsel, Aaron Epley, was brought on March 16th at $10,000 a month. Two others earned $3,600 a month. So at those rates for all six of those attorneys, all of their work in April, the total was about $27,000. Again, I should note that the attorneys working on behalf of the House are, are being paid by the state. That's taxpayer money. Uh, and all those records are public. So we, we have a transparent look at how all of this is costing. All right, Ryan. I, you know, you've been busy at work. Thank you so much <laughs> for breaking this down for us. And Thanks. don't forget, we do have everything we just talked about over on KXAN.com. Just read David Barrera's cost breakdown under this story. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, today is day number two now, under 100 degrees, the only couple that we've had in the past nine days. But temperatures about to soar over 100 degrees, not only this weekend, but all of next week, if not longer than that. Sunny skies, otherwise a pleasant evening here on the Austonian Weather Cam. We've got a big complex of severe storms up near Dallas. Notice, though, those are on the way to Houston, but they're not on the way here. This high pressure is still kind of rotating everything in North Texas around us. The high pressure leading to a big Mexico heat wave right now is set to build back over our region this weekend and through really all of next week. But I've been talking a little bit about some uh, shades of relief on the horizon beyond the seven day forecast. Now let's keep in mind predicting the weather beyond seven days is very difficult, which is why we don't typically do it. But I'm looking forward to something that uh, we have a fairly medium to high confidence in when you're talking about that far in the future. Here we go. This is not this weekend, but next week. Again, beyond seven days out, the high pressure may actually split into two, leaving a little weakness or a little trough of low pressure over the state. We're seeing some pretty consistent indications that that could, fingers crossed, lead to some scattered thunderstorms and maybe a slight relief in our temperatures. Again, this is not this weekend. It is next, so we'll keep you posted as it gets closer. In the next seven days, we don't see any of that hope of relief. We just see temperatures that keep marching upward back to record levels next week. Remember, in the recent heat wave that we were just enduring a few days ago, we hit 106 a couple times, but we're talking about 107, even hotter weather next week, and a couple of those would be records for the calendar day. A little bit more of good news. The muggy meter may actually show a little slight relief during that oppressive heat next week. Right now, it's still very humid on the scale outside, but next week, as the temperatures soar even higher than they have been, the heat index may not be setting all-time record levels. It may feel slightly more comfortable with that 107 instead of feeling like 120 degrees like it could with higher humidity. Let's talk about your weekend forecast. As the heat builds, you might be heading to a body of water, your neighborhood pool, Barton Springs, or maybe Lake Travis. 81 degrees out there tomorrow morning with a few low clouds to start. Late in the day, lots of sunshine, a 10% chance of an evening storm out west of Austin, but it probably doesn't affect your plans as temperatures soar back to 101. How about 103 for your Sunday afternoon golf game? Maybe that's better earlier in the day. By 1 p.m. Sunday, though, as you're wrapping up brunch, it's already 98 and feeling much hotter with the humidity.
So remember your heat safety tips this weekend and beyond. Drink water, rest in the shade. If you are out and about exerting yourself, especially with little kids, their bodies don't regulate their temperature quite as well as ours do. So really keep them extra hydrated. Keep your pets indoors in the AC where they belong in a Texas summer. And when you do take them out on the concrete or pavement, be really mindful if the asphalt or pavement or sidewalk, whatever, is too hot for your bare feet, it's actually too hot for theirs. So keep them in the grass or keep them indoors, as I mentioned. And and always check your back seat. They say look before you lock. We never want to accidentally leave someone or something unattended in a hot car. Tonight's forecast is 78 degrees with a breeze from the south. A little 10% chance of a storm wandering in overnight, but it's probably not going to happen. The same is true tomorrow with gusty south winds and high temperatures back in the triple digits at 101. Look at the morning lows. Sunday morning, no cooler than 80. Monday morning, that's a record at 81. And here come the record highs, 106, 107, and 106. Several records in jeopardy next week. Next Friday, that's the last day of June. 106 would beat the current daily record by five whole degrees. We continue to learn more about the submersible that claimed the lives of five men while heading to the Titanic wreckage. What the Coast Guard is now saying about the next steps in the investigation. We're hearing for the first time today from family members of the five men who died in the submersible that went missing near the wreckage of the Titanic. And now teams are trying to figure out what may have led to what they describe as a catastrophic implosion. The Coast Guard is leading the investigation from their base in Boston, and that's where we find Jay Gray. The search in this remote area of the North Atlantic shifting now. Teams no longer looking for a missing submersible and five men inside, but instead answers to how and why they were lost. It is a uh, complex uh, case to work through, but I, I, I'm confident that uh, uh, those questions will uh, begin to get answered. Remotely operated vehicles continue to scan debris less than a half mile from the bow of the Titanic. Pieces of the sub that investigators say indicate a sudden leak in the pressurized capsule leading to a catastrophic implosion. The only saving grace about that is that it would have been immediate, literally in milliseconds, and the men would have had no idea what was happening. Family members of the victims, thankful they likely didn't suffer, but struggling with their loss. Just absolutely devastating I'm, I'm still you know heartbroken i i think i'm still a little bit in shock i just can't believe that you know this is happening the best way to preserve the memories and the legacies of these five explorers is to conduct an investigation find out what went wrong take lessons learned and then move forward moving forward with the investigation a lot like a trip to the ocean's floor a difficult journey into the unknown jay gray nbc news Boston. And logistics is a very difficult part of this process. It's still not clear if recovery teams will be able to pull remnants of the sub to the surface from the ocean's floor two and a half miles below the surface. Well, tonight on KXAN, it's Hot Wheels at 7, Dateline NBC at 8 o'clock, right before KXAN News at 10. Or you can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on the CW Austin. Here is where to find us. Thanks for listening to KXAN News Nightly. You can also listen to KXAN News Today every morning for more in-depth coverage of what matters most to you.